Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. Uh, This week I am doing a 10 questions with somebody in recovery and I will go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Charlie Romine. All righty then. And Charlie, uh, Charles. 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 That's what I've always called you. I want Charles in charge. Anyway, um, <laughs> you may be in charge of this podcast, not me though. Um, not in charge of me. Anyway, uh, I'm scattered. As I'm all over. It's fine. Just fine. Just fine. Um, anyway, we're going to be doing 10 questions with Charles. Uh, Charles is a person in long-term recovery. Yes. Yeah. All righty then. And we're going to kind of ask some questions. So basically what 10 questions is, if you've never listened to one of these podcasts before, I realized I was going to start doing some podcasts and some of them are more informative. Uh, Some of them are based on questions people have asked or people want more information on. Sometimes they're just rants of mine. But I also wanted to do some with people in recovery and family members. Um, And I was like, you know what? I should reach out to the people I know and see what kind of questions they would like asked if I had somebody in recovery. So I sent out an email blast to everybody on the mailing list for Better Life and Recovery. And I also put it up on Facebook. Hey, if you could talk to somebody in recovery, what are the questions you would want to hear them answered? And I ended up getting about 40 questions. And then I created a poll and I put it back out there and I'm like, hey, vote on the top Mm. 10 questions that you would want to see. That's cool. And then I compiled... uh, that, and then I took the top 10 questions, and that's kind of what we're getting ready to answer now. Good. Sound good? Yeah. All righty then. So why did you start using to begin with? Wow. Okay. So um, childhood was rough, which I think is a common story, right? Childhood is rough. Foster care, abuse, and things like that. Drugs was always a way to mask the pain, to forget about things, to uh, and a way to fit in as well. It kind of gave me relief from having to think about things I didn't want to think about anymore and and acceptance into a community, which is all I ever really wanted anyways, right? So I started with marijuana, and marijuana was was a lot of fun, followed by drinking, which was a lot of fun. And then um, one thing led to another, and I got put on probation and couldn't couldn't use marijuana because it stays in your system for 30 days. So lo and behold, methamphetamines is out in five. So we'll do that four days out of the week, and... Hopefully be clean when I go to the PO, right? And, right. Uh, that's how it happened. Yeah. I, I, I remember being able to stop using until after the car accident that I died in. Um, that's when the opioids started. Mm-hmm. But with meth, I could stop using a couple of days before. But eventually, uh, the detox got so bad that I actually used right before I went and see my PO. And my yes. PO's just like, so if I were to UA you right now, what would I find? I'm like, honestly, I don't know what you wouldn't find. Man. You know, um, but yeah, so a lot of times being on probation isn't really, they're not random. 
you know, because I have a set time I'm going to go see my PO. Yeah. And I don't know about you, I've never once had a PO stop by my door and be like, hey, here's a cup, go pee in it. Right. I so, nope. yeah, you either? Nope. So I could always stop using for a couple of days before and avoid getting into trouble. But unfortunately, I think it allows the addiction to progress even further, even though you're on probation. Yes, right. Because you're still looking for that relief and that cover-up and that that just feel better for a moment, you know. You, yeah. just, you just need to have it, whatever it takes. Yeah, and I talk about this all the time. Uh, and it's funny, like, everybody that I've done, like, I'll, I'll be honest with uh, the people that are listening right now. It's uh, actually Christmas Eve, and I have mm-hmm. done a lot of... 10 questions this week because I'm trying to get some stuff stacked up because I'm getting ready to take a week off. And then I've got super busy couple of weeks because I'm starting a new nonprofit and we're announcing uh, a conference and building a virtual conference, which is something I've never done before because I have no idea about the virtual side of it. So I think I've done four or five, 10 questions in the last week. And every single one of them talks about the trauma and using to escape the trauma. Yeah. So you know, for the listeners, what I really want to get across uh, to you is for a lot of us, substances aren't the primary problem. They're a, second, they're a solution. So it makes them a secondary or tertiary problem until we address and work through the trauma or whatever it is, the impetus, the reason that we're using. We're always going to go back to the substance use. And a lot of times the system fails us yeah. because it doesn't address that primary problem. Yeah. It yeah. just, hey, if we can get you to stop using drugs and get you abstinent and turning in pos- and negative UAs, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the fruit, right? It's the fruit. And you can pick fruit all day, but guess what? Next season, that fruit's going to grow back. You got to get to the root of the problem and cut it off there, which could be trauma, abuse, a number of things. For everybody's story is different, but we all have the same looking fruit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, so thanks for that, because I, I think that's something that we always want to try to get across to people yeah. is just the fact that, you know, for, I mean, you take the substances away from me back in the day. And I mean, that's where suicide attempts happen and stuff like that, because yeah. I couldn't deal with everything that had happened to me in the past and thinking about it and not being able to escape it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what made you decide to stop <clears throat> using? Um. I went to prison, and uh, I thank God for that every day. So prison helps you? Prison um, prison helped me because it gave me enough time away from the substances to reflect on my life and reflect on the things I've been through and come to a realization that I can use the things I've been through to help other people who are going through them, which gave me a purpose and hope, which is something that everybody really needs to know that they have. And uh, if you can use something you've been through and, and know that there's other people going through it. And you can be that hope in that light for them to know that they can come through it too. Because if you can do it, they can do it, right? Right. And if you can get across, like, I, I did it, and I'm, I'm certainly no more special than you are. And you can just follow me through this, and you can do it, and then you can help people do it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've talked to you a couple of times. You're pretty special. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, that's, that needs edited. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be edited. That's going to be in there. Sorry. Um, I haven't heard or said anything so far that either of us have said that should be edited out. That's I think good. this is fine. Uh, <laughs> because I also, I think we talk about a lot of serious things. And because of that, I try to have fun with it. Uh, yeah. You know, I do uh, nar- I do Narcan trainings. Um and sometimes I see people and they look kind of awkward and I'm like, it's okay to laugh. I'm like, I build humor into this training because after all the funerals I've been to over the last five years, 
if I couldn't laugh about it, I'd be in a fetal position in the corner crying. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I have to keep a sense of humor um, in order to deal with the stuff we go through. I mean, people listening to this or people using, people in recovery, uh, a lot of times family members. And, I mean, if we take everything serious, it's going to kill us. Yeah. You know, uh, for family members, uh, tough love is not the way. Um, there's a great book out there called beyond addiction that talks about how we can actually use kindness uh to work with our loved ones uh anytime i hear somebody oh anyway uh, i'm getting off topic but anyway if you call your kids your ad or your as to stand for addicted son or addicted daughter you're in a really bad place Mm -hmm. and you might be doing it to uh to make it less traumatic on you but i will tell you now it's showing and probably impacting your kids whether you know it or not you using that kind of detachment. But anyway, that's not even on topic. Isn't that great? Uh, So what does recovery mean to you? Recovery to me, hmm. Really, it's a day-by-day thing. It's putting one foot in front of the other. It's saying yes to opportunities that present themselves um, and not being afraid and overcoming things because... Um, there's always risk and there's always fear and there's always the possibility that you'll make a fool out of yourself. Um, there's always this voice in your head tells you that you won't be able to do this. You won't be good at this. You're going to get up on that stage and you're going to look like an idiot, but you, you overcome that and you do it anyways. And then that, that builds your self-esteem and it builds your worth and you start to realize like you do have a voice and you do matter and you are good at things and people do listen to you and they, and people actually do love you and you don't need drugs for all those things that you were looking for all along. And that's really what recovery is to me. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> Love that definition. Uh, uh, man, I barely know where to go from there. Uh, so what were the things that kind of got you into recovery to begin with? Okay. Um, <laughs> it's corny. It's corny, but uh, I started reading self-help books in treatment. <laughs> uh, so these couple of self-help books, I just I just have this vision, this, this hope for success. I wanted to be some sort of a success story and... I started reading these couple of books and uh, like the seven habits of, of highly successful people. Um, and, and Jack Canfield wrote a book that's, that's amazing about success. And, uh, and I loved them and I, I just devoured them. And uh, I started talking to my, to my, to my bunk mate about what, what success looks like to him and to me. And I got out and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's weeks before I got out of prison. I really, I, I had this epiphany that if I went back home, I would, uh, I would end up right back where I was. And that isn't, that's not what I wanted to do with my life. I had to do something very different. And so I erased my home plan. I had an interstate compact that took months to get cleared, and I, I just told my probation officer, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, I have to find somewhere else to go. Uh, and so, you know, there goes my outdate. I'm going to be in there longer now. Okay, so I start doing applications, and I send one into Victory Mission, and uh, uh, by the grace of God, they send me, they call me in, in two weeks and, and I have an interview with them and I just pour my heart out and my, my ambition out and they hear you it. You mean Victory Mission? Victory okay. Mission, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so so they brought me in and what was the question again? I forgot. Where, where are we going? Um, <laughs> eventually we're going to the 10th question. We're at number four right now. Um, what were the things <laughs> that got you into recovery to begin with? Yeah. Okay. So Victory Mission and they, and they, hmm. I'll tell you what they did. They, through the gospel, they presented me with an identity that I didn't know I had at all. And uh, I knew I was looking for something different, but I didn't know what it was. And for me, that hole in my heart was filled with Christ, right? 
And that's what that's what got me into it. That that ambition that I started to have in prison, followed by being accepted into this place that showed me a radically different way of life. Okay, so so uh, I wrote a book, uh, did a thing, um, and in there, there's a concept that I talk about. It's called spiritual spackle. Uh, I think you said you're about halfway done with my book, so you're not to it yet. Yeah. But in spiritual spackle, uh, back when I was a full-time knucklehead, I got really mad one night, and I went outside, and I punched two holes in the side of my house. I had wooden siding. It was an old house. And the next morning when I woke up, when I sobered up from my blackout, I was like, oh, <laughs> I have holes in the <sighs> side of my house now. That is not cool. Yeah. So I got duct tape, uh, being the knucklehead that I was, and I put it over those holes. So... Mm. Um, <laughs> So I'm like, it's fixed. Yeah. Uh, now, anybody that drove by saw like this tan house with silver duct tape, and it was an eyesore to them. Mm. Uh, but for me, it was fixed. Now, a couple years later, I had to get rid of the house, and I was like, I probably better get this fixed. And I took out the silver duct tape, and what had been two fist-sized holes was now a great big hole, and water mm. had got back in behind it. Wow. And like the drywall was all rotted and mildewed. Wow. And... Uh, when I got sober years later, I was like, you know, that's a great story for me to use now because life punches holes in our soul, literally, with the things that happen to us, the choices we make. Um, and a lot of times we use things kind of like that duct tape to put over it, right? Yeah, Drugs, it up, yeah. alcohol, sex, <laughs> yes. power, anger, codependency, overeating, whatever that thing is that we use to cover that hole up. And we're like, hey, look, it's all better. Yeah. Um, kind of like when you walk through Walmart and you're like, nobody knows I'm high. Uh. And <laughs> now when you walk through Walmart, you're like, you're stoned, you're drunk, <laughs> anhydrous, you're on, ma you know, I mean... So everybody saw it. It was an eyesore, kind of like that hole that I covered up with duct tape. Yeah, that you thought looked good. Yeah, that I thought was great. Yeah. And when I took that duct tape off, I realized by not addressing those problems, they had festered and gotten worse and worse. Hmm. And what I realized was, you know, for me, I, I say there's two things that I consider secret sauce. You talked about one of them. Um, I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. And for me, the Holy Spirit was like spiritual spackle. It was made to fill that hole. Oh, right. Yeah. But I also found out for people that don't have faith um, or even for me, I mean, my other secret sauce, I tell people this all the time, was investing myself in the community and making myself part of the community I live in. Yes. Like I always felt like I was part of the recovery community, but I didn't feel like I was part of the community at large. Like those people will never like me. They'll never have anything to do with me. I have nothing to offer. And then all of a sudden I realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm making my community better. And in putting effort into making my community better, it makes me less likely to offend against my community. So I say those are the two things I think that people can use. They can use one or the other, or they can use both, that's depending. Good. Yeah, it's good. You know, to, and that's what really fills that hole in. So if you're sitting there and you keep going back out and you're having problems and you are a person of faith, man you know, read the Bible, read the Bhagavad Gita, read the Quran, whatever the, the, the book is for the religion that you follow. And if your religion isn't working for you, maybe look at other ones. If faith is really important to you, yeah. if it's not, 
look at things you can do in your community. Start doing pro-social sober activities. Start mm -hmm. volunteering. Believe mm -hmm. it or not, yeah. community service isn't something that my P, that a PO or a judge assigns to you. It's something you do just because you want to make your community a better place for yes. the people in it. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, so I love the way that you talked about that, and, and it so kind of jives with, a huge belief of mine. Awesome. You know, that's so so that's one of the reasons that we push doing things like painting elementary school playgrounds and picking up trash through a stream team and volunteering with other organizations is there's got to be that investment. You talked about purpose, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, purpose, if I don't have purpose, why am I doing this thing anyway, right? Yeah, seriously. So you got to find that purpose. And sometimes that's what that purpose is, is finding ways to make my community better and to to become part of the community that I live in that I've never felt like I belonged in before. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think it takes a little bit of courage to initiate doing that too, because you feel like an outsider and an outcast. A, and you're like, okay. a lot of courage. <laughs> yes. I would argue. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, but I mean, I remember going to meetings, you know, and I mean, to me, that took a lot of courage. Sure. Like, I remember the first time somebody came up, try to hug me at a meeting. I'm like, dude, what the heck are you doing? Like I didn't, <laughs> I needed to see your both your hands, right? I didn't yeah. trust anybody. If I couldn't see your hands, I don't know what you were doing behind my back sure. and why you want to hug on me and rub on me anyway. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and, oh, talk about my problems. No, I'll talk about your problems. We don't talk about my problems. That's not how I was brought up. Right. And how many of us were brought, I, you didn't show any weakness because if you show any weakness, people are going to take advantage of it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things. We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And the funny right. thing is, like, uh, like I talk about syringes. Believe it or not, when I was a little kid, I wasn't like, ooh, let's go to the doctor so I can get my shots. I love needles. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was very uncomfortable around syringes, but there was a point where, I mean, there's times I've injected water or alcohol because I didn't have anything. Um, I was waiting on it to get there or waiting on it to finish. And I needed to feel that. So I got comfortable with something that I used to hate that was negative. So... Maybe if I'm uncomfortable about things that are positive, they'll become my new normal and I'll wow. get comfortable doing those also, That's right? That's good, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so, in early recovery, can you like identify one thing maybe, like what helps you maintain your sobriety the most? Like what was that one thing early on okay. that was? Uh, people. It was people. Break it, that down. Okay, so uh, I started getting involved at a church. You mentioned community. We were just talking about community and that's everything to me like i said all i ever wanted was to belong to something right. I, only, I only wanted to fit in i wanted a family i wanted people never lived anywhere for more than a year in my life right and so i knew that that was a huge part of it and uh so that's what i did i started putting myself out there getting up the courage to meet people and i'm that's not my nature i don't just do that on accident i have to muster up right. the courage and, and just put myself out there. So I got involved with my church, with my program, um, started stepping into leadership roles. Leadership was a huge part of it as well. Um, I think, I think learning how to lead people into recovery, bringing people into it was, was what it was. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, you got comfortable doing mm -hmm. something that you were originally uncomfortable doing, right? And, and now I'm, and now I thrive with it. Yes. Right. Ooh, I like that word thrive. Yeah. I'm big on thriving. I'm like, ah, there's victims, there's survivors, and there's thrivers. And oh, yeah. I think a lot of times people stop at that survivor stage and they don't realize they're a step beyond. It's like yeah. in a relationship. I think that there is lust, like, love, and in love. And people mm. don't realize that lust is in there. And it doesn't have to be physical. 
Sure. Like, uh, like with my wife, when I met her, I lusted just being in her presence and her company because of how compassionate she was. She was unlike anything I'd ever been around. Wow. And I lusted to be around that. But I think that's why a lot of times people never reach that in love stage. They're like, oh, I'm in love when they just actually love the person because they didn't realize that there was that one step there. Huh. Like, I think a lot of people, they're like, okay, I mean, I, I've survived this. Like, like with the thriver survivor, I say that, um, there's people that are in the victim stage and in the victim stage, a lot of times I keep it inside. I don't share it with anybody. I don't want anybody to know the horrific thing that happened to me. And I am still kept captive or a prisoner by it. Now, people in the survivor stage, they actually start putting that stuff out there and letting people see it. But deep down, they still have absolutely no idea why it happened. Right. You know, like life sucks, then you die. Um, You know, uh, this is an evil world and this is what happens. And in the thriver stage, like at least for me, what I found is I could take all those things that I set out, the horrific things that had happened to me, the bad choices I'd made, the, the horrific things I'd done to other people, and I could grind all of that into compost and use it to fertilize other people's lives. I could share it. Yes. You know, kind of like what you talked about doing. And that kind of, now I saw the purpose behind everything that had happened to me before. It's huge. It's everything, man. You know, when I realized, hey, you know what? Maybe this stuff happened, but man, I can use it to help other people today. Yes. Oh my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Because I had a lot of red in my ledger and I think that that's kind of, you know, it's helped me stop looking at that person I used to be and see the person I am today because of what I do today. Yes. Right. I'm not that person anymore because now I have the ability to help just like you're talking about. Yeah. That's stinking awesome. Um, <laughs> what's the most important thing you have done for your recovery? Well, I, I, I have to come back to this. Just saying yes. Saying yes when opportunities come up. Um, when People will start pointing out qualities in you that you don't believe them for. They say you're a leader. I'm like, No you've got me mistaken for somebody else. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 you're a leader and you're going to be a leader here. I'm like, okay. So you just you just kind of start saying yes to opportunities. And hey, will you, will you teach this class? Okay, yes. Yes, I will teach this class. And you get up there scared to death, but you do it anyways. And you just overcome that fear with just a little bit of courage. It just takes a little bit of courage and keep taking steps. Um, it's That's got to be what it is. It's just, just that... That yes, that yes mode and stop being scared. (laughs) Right. So to people listening out there, I will say this and then I'll see if you agree with me. Hmm. I've always found it kind of funny. Um, There's times that I get up there and when I get done speaking, I'm like, man, I knocked that out the park. (laughs) And there's other times that I get done and I'm like, oh my God, that was the worst. I cannot believe that I, I'm, that I lost my train of thought here and that I screwed up and said this here. And it's always when I think I've done the worst job Mm. that I have the most people come up to me after and been like, man, I want to, you know, with accolades and talk about, you know, how much they got out of it. Have you found that to be true? Actually, yes. Yes, I do. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be done and just kind of standing there and feeling like, okay, that's, that was very mediocre at best. (laughs) Just very mediocre. I'm going to kind of walk away and, and I have somebody come you up to me You can say you were very Josh Lean. That's what I call. <laughs> Josh Lean. That's what I like to say to Josh. No, I'm like, crazy. dude, you are by far, I mean, when it comes to employees that I have, 
<laughs> I mean, you are the most incredibly mediocre one that I have. I just like to razz them. So, yeah, you, when, instead of mediocre, you can just say Josh. That's good. That's good. Just kidding, Josh. Love you, brother. Yeah, we love you, man. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. Um... So yeah, you're you're sitting there going, man, that was the most mediocre. Yeah, yeah, just kind of. But then you walk away, and, and and people start coming up to you, telling me how much they were moved by it. And it's just, you know, I I just think that's the nature of man is you don't realize how good you're doing when you're actually doing good, and when your pride gets in front of you and you start feeling like you're doing amazing, maybe you're really not, and you need to step back and kind of look at things from a different perspective. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just. Um, I have learned to only just share my heart and what's really in there. And that seems like it works best. There you go. Yeah. So is there one thing that you have to do every day that helps you maintain like your wellness, your recovery? Okay. Well, I would have to say pray. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. I have to. We got to pray. We got to pray. Just to make it today. <laughs> that's why we pray. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So that's a big thing for you. Yeah, it's a, it 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 really is. It's um like the, I know that there's nothing inside of me um with with as much power as the Holy Spirit gives through me. Um and I just I just I just hold on to that. I hold on to that faith and I've seen it do miracles in my life. I've seen it do miracles through my life already. And I just hold on to that. Whatever whatever is working, it's working and that's good. That's good news. So I pray. Go hammer, go hammer. Oh, sorry. Um, what is it that keeps you from going back to your old behaviors? Hmm. Okay. Let's see. That I know that there was nothing good back there. Um, I like I said when I was in <laughs> nothing prison, good back there. <laughs> when I was in prison. Uh, you know, I, I changed my mind suddenly in the, in the spur of the moment just about my home plan because I knew there was nothing good there. Absolute misery. Uh, people that did not have my best interest at mind, and, and, and they say they love me, and I think they I think they believed it, but it, it wouldn't have produced any good fruit in my life. Um, I, I remember how much I hated that life, and I hated myself in that life, and, and every day was awful. It was just, every day was the worst day of my life, it seemed like. And just the memories of that makes my stomach turn, and, and that's what keeps me from going back. You know, uh, I'm not a big country music guy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was a big metal and rap guy, which is kind of weird huh, fusion. Interesting. <laughs> but, but man, there were some awesome concerts back in the day, like Anthrax and Public Enemy together. But anyway, um, but there's, when I was uh, working at a residential uh, facility, when somebody commenced, they got to pick a song. And there's a couple songs that they picked all the time. One of them was Only God Knows Why by Kid Rock. But uh, the other one that was played a lot was the song Moving On by Rascal Flatts. And in that song, he's talking about his friends, and he says, they mean me no harm, but they'll never allow me to change. Hmm. You know, uh, you're right. Uh, You know, I, I would agree with what you said. I think that there's a lot of people that would say they love you, yeah. Um. And they don't want you to die. They don't want you to go to prison. But you know what? They love the person 
that you are when you're intoxicated. They love the person that's crazy and will do dumb things that will put themselves in jeopardy of going to jail or prison. That person that'll jump up in front of them if a fight starts and just mm. beat the brakes off somebody. Right. You know, um, that's the person that they really like. And they like that person that's going to sit there and wallow in, I'd say misery, but I'll tell you, there was a lot of times I was using where I wasn't miserable. You know, I didn't use for 20 plus years because I hate drugs. I love the way they make me feel, you know, mm -hmm, yeah. but, but they like that version of you, <laughs> you know? So I think it's a realization sometimes. And sometimes it's even family members where you're like, I, I know you love me, but I'm going to have to set a boundary here um, because I can't, I can't be around you because I'm a new version, yeah. you know, and I'm stepping into a new season. And unfortunately, you're in that old season. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, well, you brought that up. That's that's exactly where I'm at with it. Is, uh, that's the hardest part of it all, I think, is knowing that my family's back home in Kansas. And, um, you know, they're still there. And I worry about my sister's life itself. The fact that she's running the streets and doing heaven knows what. And, uh, you know, my mom's at home and there's family members, close family members that are, that are, they're slowly dying. Um, and it's all drugs. Everything's drugs. And, you know, I get begged to come home and, uh, these, these people love me. They really love me. Like they cry every time they talk to me cause they just want me around. But I know if I go around, it'll be ruined. Like they love me because I'm not there. Does that make sense? Because yeah. when I am there, they, it's certainly not good. <laughs> it's but when I'm not there, uh, they see this version of me that's that's put together and and looking better, and they're proud of me, and they want that person around. But I know if I go back there, I won't be that person anymore. Right. I've got to set really hard boundaries. It's, yeah, it's everything. Absolutely. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to make those those hard choices that are pretty painful in order to have the best life. And you have kids, right? Yeah, I have two. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's another reason is, you know, I, I've got to set an example for my kids. You know, I I mean, your kids, they're sponges. They look up to you. They want to grow up to be just like you. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, friends. I mean, they're going to want to be just like your friends or just like the people that you date because those are the people you care about and you love. Yeah. You know, so for the listeners, I mean, that's one thing. <laughs> be very careful about the people that you have in your life and the people that you're constantly around. You know, I mean, look at your best friend and be like, is that the kind of person that I'd want my son to grow up? Look yeah. at the person you're dating and be like, is that the kind of person that I want my daughter to grow up to be? You know, because we're, we're laying the foundation for them. Yes. You know, it's amazing how many people used to tell me that they had the smartest kids, but then we're like, yeah, they don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, mm. but I thought you said your kid was really smart. Right. But now you're telling me that they're ignorant. Right. So which one is it? You know what I mean? Mm. So <clears throat> so they talk about the gifts of recovery. What's changed in your life positively since you uh, stepped into recovery? <laughs> all right. Uh, f first of all, um, this program that I'm in, I'm not in it anymore. I graduated at this program that I help lead now. Oh, so you went from being <clears throat> in it to... Yeah, I'm in. I'm in actual leadership. I'm in. A, I have an apprenticeship as a as a chaplain with Victory Mission. Hopefully, in the next year or so, I will be leading the restoration program at Victory Mission itself. Um, possibly in another location if we end up branching out. Who knows? Who knows what the Lord has has in mind? Um, so there's that. I'm also a leader in my church. Um, uh, I help lead the tech team with 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 the well, 
and uh, you know, it's it's another thing. Like I didn't see it in myself, but other people saw it in me. I'm like, okay, yes, give it to me. I'll do it. Um, stretching myself thin, but 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 it's so good. It's so rewarding, you know. Um, so there's that. I've started school at OTC. I'm enrolled in college, finishing my second semester, all A's and B's. Hey, that's where I went to college. Is, uh, yeah, that's where I started. Yeah. Um, off a of GED, I got in prison. Yeah. Well, me too. Yes. Woo! Yeah. Well, I tell you, I ended up getting a master's degree off that's that. Awesome. Off that GED I got in prison, so wow. you know what? That's amazing. I mean, I can't wait to go to your... Dude, invite me to your graduation from OTC. That would, would be amazing. To. Yes, yes. So um, going for uh, behavioral science, my, my associate's in behavioral science, hopefully going to turn into a bachelor's at MSU or Evangel or who knows. We'll figure that out then. Um, I've gotten my peer support certification. I finished that training and got my, my certification and, uh, Hey, I think I was one of your trainers. You, you were, you were there. Yes, you were. It was, it was a awesome class. Um, then COVID happened. Yeah. It was the last (laughs) class. Like literally we were just talking about this before the podcast. Um, we had the first case in Springfield that confirmed the day after our training ended, right? Yeah, it was the day, the last day, the last of, day of the training yeah. because we had to call DMH and we had to fill out all this stuff. Yeah, we had to at, sign at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, yep. yes, because we had somebody in our class that had been in, out of country to like a third world country uh, within the last like two weeks before the training. Yes, yeah, yeah. that was crazy. Uh, what else? So, um, let's see. I'm back. Uh, there's a really long story behind this, but the good news at the end of it is that I have my children back in my life, and I get them as often as I can. There, There's no boundary there. There's no legality between us. Um, I get my kids as often as I want, and they love me still. Despite everything, they love me to death, <laughs> and that's amazing. Um, Why wouldn't they, man? You're a good guy. Whew, that's good. Um, I want, I'm getting more involved totally in the recovery adequate. community. <laughs> uh we're getting involved in the recovery community, branching out, meeting people, trying to get involved in, in, in things here and there as much as I can spread myself out. Um, I've, I've recently gotten into a relationship with a girl that I'm pretty crazy about. She's, she's, quite, she's pretty crazy, too. So, I mean, that should work out great. It works out just fine. <laughs> um, I'm usually right, and that's okay. We're figuring that out as time goes on. <laughs> um, she's in the room, just in case you were wondering, Yeah, for people that are listening in. <laughs> So, <laughs> yes. Um, what else? I think I've about covered everything. But, the, you know, I've, I know that there's really bright things in my future, although I don't know exactly what it right. looks like. I actually get to spend every day of my life helping people that are just brand new to recovery and walk them through the steps that I walked. That's what I do. That's I awesome. I can't believe it, man. Yeah. You're like, I think that's about all. That's a lot. Man. That's a lot of positive stuff going yes. on. So if you could travel back in time... And talk to yourself the day before you used. What would you say? Oh, I would say you have no idea where you're about to go with this. It seems like just kind of like, oh, I've never done this before. This is interesting. There's older people around. I want to be cool, too. It wasn't a horrible setting. It wasn't a trap house. It was just me camping with my best friend for his birthday. And his older brother was awake, and he was asleep, and his older brother has his friends around, and I just, I'm sitting around a fire, and I get past something, <laughs> you know? I'm like, okay. Right. Here it is. I've been waiting on this because I knew what it was, you know. Just dumb. I would tell myself, you have no idea what is about to happen with your life. Like, you're okay right now. Stay okay. <laughs> right, right? <laughs> yeah. So that said, I mean, that was our 10th question. So so for our listeners out there, um, you know, I always try to do a closing thing. And if I'm with somebody, let them say something. Uh, 
for me, what I would say is, uh, you know, keep your head up. Uh, you know what? Uh, tomorrow will be a better day. Uh, don't ever give up. Um, I don't know, man. There's such a better life in recovery. Uh, whatever that pathway may be, whatever you define your recovery as, man, your life can be, can always be better than it is. And I think that's one of the fun things is getting to live each day, trying to be better than the day before. Right. So, you know, if you're out there struggling, uh, you have a loved one that's struggling, please reach out to us. Uh, www.better uh david at betterlifeandrecovery.com go on facebook betterlifeandrecovery.com or uh springfield recovery community center dm us uh it's okay to be in our dms so you know but please if you need something ask even if you're out of state we will do our best uh you know we're kind of fortunate to have been able to work with a lot of people in different states we'll do our best to connect you with something positive in your state to help you Hmm. Uh, any closing words, any last thoughts of wisdom for anybody listening? I guess just, uh, just, just know that there is a place for you out there that you can belong to. There's people who have been through what you've been through and all you have to do is reach out and you'll find them really easily because we're all around. Um, figure out what your pathway to recovery looks like, figure out how you're going to survive tomorrow and then find somebody to reach out to because community, community and relationships, they're everything. It makes it or breaks it. All righty. So have a great Have a great week, guys, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a better life and recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B L I R underscore N P O. Also, this podcast is part of the studio DNA podcast network. You can find out more about the network at studio DNA Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Want to talk about a new movie? Check want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie check that's what you can expect from quality check podcast it's a new podcast on the studio dna network hosted by yours truly drew douglas and daniel posey every other tuesday we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up